0: Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody today. It's, I'll say, really weird to be up here not just giving announcements, but I'm excited. But I was so excited first service that I did forget to share a couple of announcements. So I'm remembering this service. Uh, real quickly, many of you know that we have been doing our Monroe 180 campaign and we've been going at this for a little over a month now. And if, when you're leaving today, if you happen to look in the coat closet there, you're going to see tons of Amazon boxes and donated masks and things like that. So we are still continuing this, the students, aren't back at school in person yet, so we wanna continue to collect school supplies and masks and hand sanitizer and things like that so we can support Monroe in that way. Uh, If you go to our Amazon wish list, which the, um, excuse me, the website is up on the screen, you are able to go on there and buy directly from Amazon things that we know the teachers really are hoping can help establish their classrooms to be more safe when the students return. And there's also books, so if you love books, you might uh, want to look at the book list there because there's a lot of books that we would like to include. And for those of you who have been signing up for the prayer partners, we have not forgot about you. We are still working to match up teachers and staff at Monroe with our LSE prayer partners, but there is still a need for anybody who maybe Praying isn't your spiritual gift, but you know that you can lift others up in prayer. That's all we need is somebody who wants to be matched up with a Monroe staff member and can just encourage them throughout the year and and praying for them daily and occasionally checking in on them and seeing if there's any ways that we can pray for them. So just keep praying for Monroe 180. This is something that we'll be doing all school year with them. The other thing just to mention is that Many of you already came prepared to give online or using the LSC app. So if you're at home uh, worshiping with us, you're still able to give using either of those tools. But while you're here, you can also give in person. And there were some envelopes on the back table. So when you leave today, you can just drop your offering in that the boxes on the back wall there. So, some of you might be saying, why is Angie up here, and why isn't Pastor Pat here? And the reason is, is because Pastor Pat is somewhere in California, right? Cal- Wyoming. I had the state wrong. I should have asked. Uh, he's in Wyoming, out in the middle of nowhere, hiking, through the wilderness with no way to communicate with the outside world. He is on what I would assume to be an adventure of a lifetime with a friend. So he will be back with us next week and I can't wait to hear about his adventures and see pictures, it's just an amazing experience that he is able to have. But as he mentioned, we're continuing on with our Hello Neighbor series and so we're in week four of that. And what we've been able to do is continue to return to scripture uh, in Matthew 22:37 37 to 40, where Jesus is responding to a question that was asked of him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your minds. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So this is what we keep coming back to week after week. When I read this, I will admit it It makes me feel good as a rule follower that I only have to focus on two commandments because I'm not sure if you're familiar, but in the Old Testament, the Jews were actually following 613 laws. Now, I know we have some laws that are like man-made laws, but when it comes to being a follower of Christ, I'm really thankful that Jesus decided to narrow it down to two so I didn't have to focus on the 613. So for most of today, we're going to really focus on the second and most important, second most important commandment that Jesus refers to as loving your neighbor as yourself. So as I was preparing for this message, one of the things that came to mind was I was trying to think of where in my life did I decide that my heart was for serving others or where was that born out of? And so I started kind of going back in the timeline and realized that it was something I think was modeled early on. And so when I was a young child, my mom and my grandma were heavily involved in the American Legion Auxiliary. And a couple times a year, they would take donation canisters and red poppies to some places in La Paz. If you're not familiar with La Paz, there are some places there. There used to be a few more, but there still are a couple places in the little town of La Paz but I would go with them and we would ask for donations from patrons that were coming to those stores and in return we'd hand them a red poppy. And the money that was collected was then donated to disabled veterans or veterans who were uh, possibly being treated at a hospital. And I love this and I look forward to doing it often. So we did it, like I said, we did it a couple times a year, but I think part of it was I just love spending that time with my mom and my grandma, I felt kind of special but what I really loved was knowing that I was helping other people. I didn't know who the other people were, but I just loved knowing that we were able to help in some way. And so after that part of my life, I can look into high school and realize that my, I started really putting community service into action and I started a couple clubs at Laville. One of them was just to support our troops that were serving overseas during the Gulf War. And then another part of a club that I started was the Adopt a Highway program that um, cleaned up a couple miles in La Paz and a couple miles in Lakeville along US 31. Went to college, got heavily involved in a service fraternity organization whose sole purpose was to serve the Purdue community there. So it's no surprise that back in 2008 when my husband and I decided we needed to find a church home, that after visiting Living Stones and learning about its mission and its vision to serve the community, that we decided this is where we were supposed to be. So 12 years ago seems like a long time, but we've just loved every moment that an opportunity we've had to serve the community here on the south side of South Bend. And we've done great things while we've served here. I'm sure many of you who have been around for a while have memories of having opportunity to serve and we will continue to do some more of those great things that look very familiar to what we've done in the past. But what has happened over those years isn't bad, it's actually good. We've earned favor in the, in the views of our neighbors, and what I mean by that is if I'm out and about and meet somebody and I introduce myself and say, yeah, I work at Livingstone's Church here on the south side, I get responses that might be, oh yeah, you're the church that does that awesome trunk or treat. I bring my kids there every year. Or, oh yeah, I have grandkids that go to Monroe and I've heard you've done some cool things for the students at Monroe. Or, oh yeah, you're the church on Don Moyer that puts lots of lights up at Christmas. And we love that because it really brightens up the neighborhood. And so those are great because when people hear Livingstone's Church, they have a positive connection to our name. And so we love that we've earned favor with our neighbors. But I believe there's more to being part of this neighborhood. And I think we've missed one key component in approaching serving our neighbors. And that key thing actually might be the most difficult thing that we'll have to work on, and that's being in deep relationship, rooted in love with our neighbors. And that's different than having favor, but we can't get there without having that favor. So we're at a great starting point because we have done well serving our neighborhood and earning that favor, and now we're able to go further. And so that's what I'm gonna root today's message in is how do we go beyond those um, surface level and superficial relationships with our neighbors and turn them into the kind of relationships that might be difficult to navigate, they might be really messy to be involved with, they could be very rewarding in outcomes, but no matter what, those relationships are all rooted in the commandment from Jesus of love your neighbor as yourself. So over the last couple of years, I've kind of dove into some books that have talked a lot about neighborhood ministry or what it means to love your neighbor in the context of ministry. And one of the books that had been recommended that I decided to read was Martin Luther King Jr.'s book, Strength to Love. And in his book, it's a collection of some of his most well-known sermons, and so many people are very familiar with it. But as I was reading the book, Chapter 3, that's titled On Being a Good Neighbor, quickly became one of my favorites. And this message of his is actually sharing the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm not gonna go over that today because actually in our very first message of this series, Pastor Pat talked about Luke and the Good Samaritan parable. And so you can go back to the August 16th message and listen to it if you're not familiar with it, or you can dive into Luke 10, 25 to 37. But in King's book, he actually had a quote in there that I've underlined and reread over and over because to me, this is a measuring stick that we can use in how we're serving our neighbors. And King says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at a time of challenge and controversy. The true neighbor will risk his position, his prestige, and even his life for the welfare of others. In dangerous valleys and hazardous pathways, he will lift some bruised and beaten brother to a higher and more noble life. And that sticks with me, and we'll come back to that again in this message, but I encourage you, if you've not read Strength to Love, that it might be a book that you decide to get for yourself and, and read through his sermons, because they are amazing and inspiring for sure. But another, at some other point in the book, King also started uh, talking about Romans chapter 12, and so I went to Romans chapter 12 and read through it. And this was another moment where I got my pen out and started highlighting and Rereading it over and over and I actually have a post-it note in my Bible because I keep coming back to Romans 9 in particular verse I'm sorry Romans 12 in particular verses 9 to 21 And so in the book of Romans Paul is writing to Christians who are in Rome because he'll be visiting soon So he's just sending a letter ahead of his visit and the first part of Romans the first 11 chapters Paul is focused intently on the doctrine of salvation but then it switches a little bit with 12 and the remaining chapters as Paul addresses to the Christians in Rome how they should live in that day. And what I love about it is that then when Paul was writing the letter and still 2000 years later, that we're able to take Paul's teaching and use it as practical guidance on living out the Christian faith and especially loving your neighbor as yourself. So today's message, I'm gonna focus primarily on verses nine to 16 And I really wanna look at it in how do we respond as a church to being a good neighbor? And as we go through these verses, really think of them as tools that we can use to gauge our relationship with our neighbors. And so I hope that as you hear my message, that you can listen to Paul's words and maybe put a different filter to it or a different lens to it and really just hearing it as this is what we're being called to do as being a good neighbor in our neighborhood. So let me read Romans 12, nine to 16. He says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And when you read all of this, what it is doing is bringing it all together and saying this is what love is, love in action. And when I read through this, I kind of spent some time reflecting on Am I doing this as a neighbor in my own neighborhood and the church neighborhood? Can I look at this and think, yeah, you've got yourself together. You are the perfect neighbor. Maybe some of you can say that. Others of you might read that and think, I kinda suck as a neighbor and I should probably start being a kinder neighbor. But my guess is is that most of us can look at that and think, no, that's actually what I strive for in living my life um, in the context of being a neighbor in my neighborhood or those who I encounter But unfortunately, because of my sinful nature, I sometimes fail and and I'm not as good as I would like to be in the neighbor. So what I want to do is go back through nine through 16 and just really think of these verses as what our next steps should be here as a church and here as part of our I Love Southside ministry. And so when I reread some of these verses, you might notice that they'll sound a little bit different. So I had just read them from the NIV version, but I'm switching over to the NLT version of the Bible. I like them both, but they both help me understand the scripture better in terms of loving your neighbor. So in Romans 12:9, Paul said, do not just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. I read another person's writing, then they had paraphrased that verse as saying, our love for God and each other must not be faked. It's not a performance. Everything we do must be motivated by genuine love. We need to learn to hate what is evil and hold tight to what is good. And I like how they refer to it as genuine love or sincere love. And so we have to ask, well, what does that mean in terms of our neighborhood ministry and our I Love Southside ministry? And I don't think that you can get to genuine love or sincere love outside of the context of real relationships that are rooted in love. And relationships aren't created when good-hearted and well-meaning people truly don't understand the needs, the struggles, the hurts, or even the culture of their neighbors. For any of us to create those kind of relationships with our neighbors that are rooted in sincere love, it's gonna require something that we're gonna have to really work on, and that's listening. Listening is a key thing that I don't think that we've ignored, I just don't think we knew that that was maybe one of the most important things that we needed to step into. And so when I was writing this message, I thought, "Eh, I'm actually a pretty good listener. Like I could think of times in my life where people have come to me and just needed to share something that they're walking through. And then the more I thought about it, I realized that I actually have some pretty big downfalls when it comes to being a good listener. So I still think I listen well, but I have a couple problems. One is my brain doesn't stop when somebody is sharing their story with me because I'm a fixer and I don't like to see people in pain or going through hard times. So although they're sharing with me, I'm trying to think about how I'm going to fix their problems for them or how I'm going to make their life better. But the problem with that is they didn't ask me to do that. They came to me, sometimes in some of their most vulnerable moments, just needing a shoulder to cry on, somebody to just say, I'm here for you. And I was caught up in wondering how I was gonna fix their problems. The other fault that I have while listening to people, and I think this happens sometimes when I'm not, when I don't know the person very well and I'm just kind of getting to start to know them, is that I'm trying to think of something that has happened in my life that might be similar to the situation that they're talking about. Because I want them to understand that I can really feel their feelings or I really know what's going on in their lives. The problem is, a lot of times, that doesn't match up at all. But the biggest problem in that is, again, they didn't ask me for that. They weren't asking me what my story was. They weren't asking me if I knew truly how they felt. They just needed somebody to support them, to be validated, and to listen. Another book that I've been reading, or I had read in this last year, is a book called Ministry of Ordinary Places, and the author, Shannon Martin. She actually is from the Goshen area, so I kind of like this book, one reason, because of that. But in this book, Shannon talks about her and her husband were living this American dream life in this house that was just perfection. And because of series of things that happened in their lives, they were actually displaced into a neighborhood, living in a neighborhood in Goshen, that they just didn't feel they had anything in common with their neighbors. It was completely unfamiliar with the people and the culture that surrounded them. And so they were very much out of their comfort zone. And she questioned a lot, like, why is God putting us here? But God worked through her to help her find a way to minister to her neighbors in the neighborhood. And while he was working in her, one of the things that he did was really hone in on um, getting her skill of listening to a level that is key in becoming a good neighbor. So she wrote in her book, God created our five senses as a way for us to understand our world, and Jesus referred to them often. But as it turns out, talking isn't one of them. Only as we engage in the hidden, place, hidden practice of listening do we learn about the struggles of others, gaining empathy where we once cast judgment. And then right after that, she referred to Scripture Mark four twenty four, where Jesus stated, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. So, again, I'm a big underliner. I don't know if anybody else does this in books. I like to read books and underline. So that is another place that I've underlined and gone back to it a lot. But in verse nine, although I've I've hit on kind of the listening portion of it, verse nine is twofold because Peter, or sorry, Paul also talks about talking. I'm sorry, about hating what is evil or wrong. And I want to hit on this because I want to be sure that we don't hear this and think, well, if my neighbors are jerks or they don't, you know, keep up their lawn or I don't really agree with their lifestyle, that it's okay to hate because I believe it's evil or wrong. I don't believe at all that that's what Paul is saying there. Um, But I think what we have to be aware of is hating the way we serve our neighbors if they're in self-serving ways. And what I mean by that is, sometimes we want to serve our neighbors, serve the the community, and we find very easy ways to do it that make us feel good about ourselves, and sometimes that's in the form of writing a big check or showing up and serving somewhere so you can get that great picture, so you can post on Instagram and everybody knows what a good job you're doing serving the community. To me, that can be very, that can be, doesn't always mean, but that can be very self-centered. And, self-serving. and I don't want you to hear that as me saying that going out and taking pictures while you're serving is a bad thing. Like we want to remember those things too because it was very important to us. Or donating or writing a check to an organization is not a bad thing. In fact, we ask you guys to do it all the time. I already talked about Monroe 180 where we're asking you to donate supplies and materials that we can take to Monroe. The difference is those are already rooted in relationship that we have gained because of favor that we have. So instead of us just deciding as a church, we're going to partner with a certain organization, we first started with relationship building and listening to what the needs are of their organization. How can we help? How can we support? So I, I just didn't want you to hear me say that donating was evil because that's not it. But the truth is, money can't fix the vulnerability that we will see in our neighbors. But love and action can fix that vulnerability, and building relationships will be the key to that. And I just believe that love is the one thing that will add value to our accomplishments and sacrifices. So continuing in verses 10 through 13, Paul says... And at the end of that, when I read it, it made me think of something else that Paul had said in another one of his writings. In Colossians 3.12, Paul said, "'Therefore, as God's chosen people, "'holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, "'kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience.'" So it's important that while we are to rejoice in our Savior as our confident hope, that we also need to be sure that we're able to prepare ourselves when trouble comes to our neighbors. That we'll need to pray and we'll need to call out to God and ask for his guidance in responding to the hurts and the tragedies that our neighbors may experience. But before we can respond and before we can do that, we have to first center ourselves and clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I believe I saw this actually come to life just this past Monday here at Livingstones and in the community. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with, or have heard about a week ago Saturday, there was a tragedy in our South Side neighborhood that just up on Donald and High Street, so not too far from here, there was a birthday party going on and children were playing in the front yard. And as the birthday party was happening, a car came along and opened fire on those that were outside. And unfortunately, a seven-year-old child, Chrisiah Stevens, was struck by the gunfire and she didn't survive. And this is the kind of tragedy that is gross and you, you can't wrap your, he, your head around why something like this could happen. But one of the things I knew when I came to church on Sunday was I just felt that we, we as a church were supposed to do something. We were supposed to put love in action. So after church last Sunday, I spoke to Pat a little bit and he and I have had a lot of conversations about what it looks like to not just do all the good and fun things here in the neighborhood, but what does it look like to get in the mess and the hurts that are happening in our neighborhood? So we really only had about a five minute conversation and the conversation ended up with us saying that, okay, on Monday afternoon around two, we're gonna meet at uh, Riley High School in the student parking lot there. I put a graphic together real quickly that we put up on Facebook to invite any of our LSC family to come join us. And we were just gonna meet and we were gonna pray and walk as we went over to the, the scene of the tragedy. And we didn't really have a lot of expectations other than we just knew God would show up for us to be there to show our support and love and hurt in this gross tragedy. Well, less than 24 hours later, that Facebook post that really was just intended for our Living Stones family was shared almost 40 times. And so at two o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, we're in the parking lot at Riley High School and we're just watching, cars coming in, people getting out of their cars, and we're just taken aback as to the response that we were getting. We saw teachers from Livingstone, sorry, teachers from the South Bend School Corporation and principals and and administrators with the South Bend School show up. We saw elected officials there. The media was there. We saw neighbors who were hurting come out. We saw a lot of pastors and ministry leaders from the city of South Bend who showed up. And remind yourselves here that this was Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock when most people were obligated to work. And as I looked around, I was just assured that even though our plans were small and very simple, it turned into something so much bigger. And I just said, this is love in action, that by loving our neighbors, we were able to call on God and we saw his hand at work. Now, did we solve the gun violence issue in our city and community? Nope but that wasn't our intention. We didn't feel that that was what God was calling us to do. But we were able to show up ready to love on our neighbors. We, and before we did that, we clothed ourselves or we prepared our hearts with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. And we allowed God to do the work through us. And in the midst of tragedy, it was actually a beautiful thing. From Shannon Martin's book, she also shared a little bit about what it's like to be part of a loyal community, and I like how she said it. She said, being part of a loyal community that looks out for one another is far more than a pipe dream. It's a privilege. We have to see this as a privilege, you guys. It's a promise. Standing together, we're safer, we're stronger, we're more aware of our own virility and less prone to navel-gazing. Living entangled is such an obvious win. And I get stuck on that word entangled, I really like it. And entangled often means messy, like think about yarn that's all entangled together and you have to work out those knots and it can be aggravating. But I think, are we truly living entangled with our neighbors? And not just here as part of ministry in our I Love Southside ministry here on the south side of South Bend, but are you living entangled with your neighbors? And by neighbors, I don't necessarily mean the literal neighbor living in your neighborhood or right next door to you, but are you living entangled with people that you meet out and about that God puts in your place at a specific place and time? Okay, so I'm going to continue on Romans 14 and 15 here, and Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weak. And if you're familiar with this, it might sound similar to something else that is in scripture that Jesus shared in Matthews 5:43 and 44. And Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. So in both of those teachings, Paul and Jesus both use the word persecute, and most of us are pretty familiar with the, per, the word persecute. It's defined in the English dictionary as to harass or to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, to cause to, suf, to, cause to suffer because of belief. But biblically, if we take the Greek word persecute and it's translation it actually can have a much broader meaning so it can mean to set oneself against to be in opposition to so it doesn't have to mean that you're praying for somebody who is coming against you to cause harm it also means that you should be praying for people who you might not have a whole lot in common with and i think mr rogers had something to say about this too because he's quoted as saying To love someone is to strive to accept the person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. And when I read that Mr. Rogers quote, it made me think of a t-shirt that I actually don't know why I don't own this because I've I've seen it as a t-shirt form and I love it. Um, And you might have seen something like this before. In fact, I think some of our living stoners have wore it and I have to wonder if Mr. Rogers would have wore a shirt like this too, but it's love thy neighbor, and it's list of different kinds of neighbors that were called the love. So I'll just go through it quickly. It says, love thy neighbor, thy immigrant neighbor, black neighbor, atheist neighbor, Muslim neighbor, depressed neighbor, conservative neighbor, LGBTQ neighbor, disabled neighbor, indigenous neighbor, Jewish neighbor, progressive neighbor, incarcerated neighbor, uh, homeless neighbor, Latinx neighbor, addicted neighbor, millennial neighbor, or fill in the blank to whatever neighbor we haven't mentioned there. And I think what this does is it takes Jesus' commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, and it starts putting faces to it. Because when you put faces to these, love is a whole lot easier. And I, I just have to think that Jesus would have looked at this list and said, yep, that's exactly what I mean. And But the thing is, is loving doesn't have to be a difficult task to love your neighbors. Paul says... Bless them and pray for them. He isn't saying that you have to you know, fix all of the issues between your relationship, but you can bless them, you can pray for them, you can be happy for them when they're happy, and you can weep with them when they are weeping or mourning. Because love and action doesn't see the difference between you and your neighbor. Love and action sees that your heart wants to love just like Jesus did. But love and action is going to require you to be in relationship with others. So finishing up in this section of Romans in verse 16, Paul says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. I really get caught up on that don't think you know it all because I think we all need to hear that sometimes. Uh, but when I read this, it actually made me think of some, a, a story, something that happened just last month and it was before I knew I was even gonna share this message but it was a Sunday afternoon and we were going to my parents later that day for a cookout and I knew I wanted to get a couple mile run in real quick and so I laced up my shoes and I headed out my front door and no matter where, how many miles I'm going to run, my route always starts the same. I walk down my driveway, turn left, head about 10 yards down to Coral Drive, and then I start heading south on Coral Drive towards Ireland Road. And so I'm very familiar with a neighborhood, and I don't know a lot of the neighbors on this street, but I know a few. So it's about halfway down, and one of the neighbors, Joe, waved to me, and I heard him say something. And Joe and I have had small talk a lot of times. Our children are actually similar in age. So he has three kids, I have three kids. They're very similar in age. And early on, they went to school together. So it wasn't weird for me for him to wave and say something. So I paused my earbuds and went up the driveway and started talking to him. And I noticed he had a friend there with him. And his friend was, name is Mr. Whitaker. And I loved how he introduced Mr. Whitaker to me. He said, this is my friend, Mr. Whitaker, and my mentor. And so I knew that there was something very special and unique about their relationship. And so, as they shared a little bit more about their relationship, I was already thinking of Romans 12, 16, and I thought, these guys are living it. They are two men who are neighbors that have decided to live in harmony with each other. Neither of them were allowing pride or difference to stop their enjoyment of friendship. And it was very evident that even though both of them were very opinionated with each other, they were also willing to listen and even admit that they didn't know at all. Joe and Mr. Whitaker are as different as different can be from the outside looking in. Joe is a 45 year old black man raised here on the west side of South Bend living on the south side with his family. Mr. Whitaker is white, he's 85 years old. He's enjoying a really great retired life with his wife living across the street from Joe. Joe has a Black Lives Matter sign in his yard and Mr. Whitaker quickly told me he didn't necessarily agree with the Black Lives Matter. And so, the other thing that was obvious is Joe is a big Alabama football fan. Mr. Whitaker prefers rooting for Notre Dame. And like I mentioned, Joe is a black man, but he's actually married to a a white woman, so they have three biracial children, but Mr. Whitaker's family is all white. So they have a lot of differences. But it didn't matter because as I was included in their conversation, I mean, and these conversations were all over the place. We talked about crime in Chicago and South Bend. We talked about white privilege. We talked about politics and the hearts of politicians. We talked about the public schools and just you know the hardships that they're facing. I mean, these were hard conversations. It wasn't like glitter and rainbows kind of conversations. They were hard conversations. But in these conversations, what I observed was that as someone was talking, the other two were truly listening to what the other one had to say. It didn't necessarily mean we agreed with it. And although there were times where opportunity allowed for somebody else to speak and push back on the topic, it was done with kindness and respect. And with Mr. Whitaker and Joe, it was actually done with a little bit of sass too. But never once did I see the conversation come to a point where anybody was becoming angered with the other because we didn't agree on the topic. Nobody was insulting somebody else And quite honestly, it was one of the most beautiful things I had ever experienced. So as Mr. Whitaker decided he was hot and wanted to go home and sit in the air conditioning, I decided I only had 20 minutes to hurry up and get my run done before we had to leave for my parents. But Joe wasn't done with this conversation. He wanted to keep talking to me, so he actually decided he was gonna walk with me the mile. So instead of running, I got to walk my mile. But we walked around the block for the next 20 minutes and just continued these conversations. And when, when we said our goodbyes, I paused because, one, I was just bursting with joy. Like, this is something I loved experiencing. But what I knew was this was love in action. This is what Romans twelve nineteen to 16 was talking about. This, is what, or this was Jesus' commandment when he was telling us to love our neighbor as ourself. And I also believe that the relationship that I saw between Joe and Mr. Whitaker is exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about when I quoted earlier. Just a reminder, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at time of challenge and controversy. And he goes on. So as I conclude today, I just, again, want us to remind ourselves, we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself in the context of our community here, in the context of wherever you're at in your neighborhood or whoever God puts in your place at a specific time, a specific moment. So to wrap everything up, I have four Mr. Roger quotes that I wanna share with you. Because the thing is, is I didn't come up here to share a message with you and give you some grand announcement of where we're heading with the I Love Southside ministry. Because the truth is, I don't know. We're praying about it. We're asking for God to guide us in this. But I think some of these quotes that I'm going to share with you could be tools or nuggets that we can use in getting started and going beyond the favor that we've earned and into deep, meaningful relationships with our neighbors. So the first Mr. Rogers quote I wanted to share, he says, imagine what our real neighbors would be be like if each of us offered as a matter of course, just one kind word to another person. So for many of you guys, maybe you've been listening to this and thinking, actually, I don't interact with my neighbors at all. I pull into my driveway, shut the garage door and go in my house and I just repeat that. Or I go check my mail, but my phone, my face is in my phone and I don't even look up to my neighbors. So for you, it might be as simple as realizing that there's some really cool people in your neighborhood and waving and saying hi. Or maybe you're like me and you've lived next door to a neighbor for probably about 10 years and you realize you don't even know their names. And so it might be an opportunity at a garage sale when they come to your garage sale that you say, I'm actually embarrassed to admit this that I've never come over and introduced myself. I'm Angie, you guys are great neighbors, what's your names? It could be simple. It could be starting small talk conversation about the Cubs, about the weather, You can discuss whether pineapple should be on pizza or not. And I'm a believer it should, with ham. (laughs) So, I just lost my place talking about pineapple. That sounds really good right now. (laughs) So start simple. Okay. Mr. Rogers shared another quote. He said, listening is where love begins, listening to ourselves and then to our neighbors. And I've already talked about this church, but I believe this is the next big thing we have to do in our neighborhood and our I Love Southside ministry this is an optional and we don't get to opt out of this because we are no longer allowed to make assumptions that we know what our neighbors are in need of we're not experts in all things and we do not have the same lived experiences as our neighbors now don't get me wrong i've mentioned before we've done some really great things with our isle of southside ministry and we will continue to do things that look very much like that but instead of just focusing on being in good favor with our neighbors, we have to begin to build deep and meaningful relationships that show genuine love. And to do that, we have to listen. We have to find opportunities to listen. We have to pray to God to open doors and introduce us to neighbors that want to share while we listen. And like I said earlier, listening will be hard for some of us who have some hangups on trying to fix problems or find things in common. But the thing that will be most important while we're listening is for us to pause, lean in, and allow the Holy Spirit to be present in those conversations, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you as you cultivate those conversations. Mr. Rogers actually put it this way. He said, the Holy Spirit translates our best efforts into what needs to be communicated to that person in his or her place of need. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we feel like we have to respond with words or certain kinds of actions when people share stuff with us. But what Mr. Rogers is saying is, we all have the gift of having the Holy Spirit work through us and in us, and we should use that gift. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will nudge you and say, keep your mouth closed, just listen. Maybe the Holy Spirit will nudge you and say, embrace them. They just need an embrace but we have to allow ourselves to be open to letting the Holy Spirit do that work in us. So my last Mr. Rogers quote for the day, and I've actually shared this earlier, so I wanted to end with it, it's my favorite. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and now. And I think maybe Mr. Rogers phrased it this way because it was his own way to share the gospel with others. And I think he is saying that this is non-negotiable, that you have to strive to accept everybody no matter where they're at. And so to end with, I've already mentioned two authors, Shannon Martin and Martin Luther King Jr., that I've really appreciated their words. And so there's two different quotes that I couldn't decide what I wanted to use. So what I decided to do was to take the two authors and put their quotes together and share this with you. We are stirred into a true melting pot, each of us falling wildly off the map of who the others always thought we were, single moms, tattooed men, refugees and immigrants, activist liberals, dyed-in-the-wool conservatives, addicts, business owners, and undocumented college students on the move. Some are orphans, and some might wish they were. Each reveals the face of God, made in his image in order to bounce his glory and goodness around the room and through the streets. At this level, we love men not because we like them, nor because their ways appeal to us, nor even because they possess some type of divine spark. We love every man because God loves him. Only by following this way and responding with this type of love are we able to be children of your Father who is in heaven. So church, I just ask as we go about this week um, that you might reflect on the questions that Pat has asked every week during this message series, and as you think of these three questions that he's left us with, that you think in them in the context of calling out to God and saying, how can we move in the next steps of our Isle of Southside ministry? And those three questions that Pat has given us to reflect on, the first one is, what does love require of me? Where is my place in God's story, and who are my people? Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to get up here and just share my heart with the church. Um, Lord, I am so grateful that back in 2008, you called my husband and I to this church, and you've given me the opportunity to serve in big ways here. But God, I know we are a people who expect big things from you, and we know that there are great things that are coming in our I Love Southside ministry. So, God, we're just asking that your hand is in it, that you work through each of us to allow us to know where we're going and how to be good listeners and how to build those relationships. It's in your name I pray. Amen.